Welcome to Music Speaks. This is the podcast that is dedicated to how music impacts people's lives. For this show, we have two co-hosts. My name is Sean Runkunis, and the guy in the small box over there, his name is Hunter. Hey, Hunter. Ciao, Sean. Sean and I believe that many people have a playlist that makes their life unique through music. We pride ourselves on building upon our musical knowledge with our featured guests, jamming to incredible music, talking about a wide variety of artists and composers, and everything in between. Here's a musical quote for today. Music is the strongest form of magic. Marilyn Manson. So let us introduce our guest on Music Speaks today. Studying classical saxophone with a cognate of business, Jessica Small is a doctoral candidate and graduate teaching assistant at the University of Florida. She has previously received her MM in saxophone performance from Ithaca College and her BM in music education from the University of North Carolina at Wilmington, UNCW. Through her education, Jessica has won distinguished awards, including the Richard R. Diaz Com uh, Collegiate Concerto Competition at UNCW, along with being a selected finalist in the Rosenschaffel Competition at Appalachian State University. She has been a selected performer and masterclass participant of the 2016 and 2020 North American Saxophone Alliance, NASA, biennial conference and was recently awarded the Kenneth Webster MD saxophone endowment for performance excellence during the 2019-2020 school year. Through her education, Jessica has served in leadership positions in both instrumental and vocal groups. As a founding member of the Dub Sax Ensemble, Jessica has organized outreach tours through Eastern North Carolina, San Antonio, and Austin, Texas. Along with Dub Sax, Jessica was also a founding member of UNCW's first co-ed acapella group, for which she served as the music director. While her current focus is in academia and exploring business options that align with her saxophone degrees, Jessica enjoys any opportunity to perform and sing in the community. She's currently working on a quarantine music series with her very good friend, Imani Barber, for which she'll be lending her vocals, guitar, ukulele, and saxophone skills. So Sean, how do you know our guest for today? So like she mentioned, I got to meet her in my master's and she was just a really nice person and just had this overwhelming bubbliness to her personality which I really liked and she was just very giving and she was just so interesting to talk to because she had such an interesting background and again I get I, I don't I, again I don't know how to get these guests but they just keep coming on the show and keep surprising us so I'm so excited to talk to her today all right very cool and now I would like to welcome Jess to our podcast And we're on with Jessica. Jessica, it's a pleasure to have you on. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And my first question is sort of just a basic one, but um, there aren't too many female sax players. I mean, I really only know a handful. Um, what made you pick up the saxophone? Yeah, I also really only know a handful. Maybe I should be <laughs> a little bit more knowledgeable about that, but... I picked up the saxophone 
is actually my dad. He plays saxophone, flute, and piano, and he sings. And so growing up, all of my siblings, I have four siblings, so we all either picked flute or saxophone when we started band. Now, when I was in sixth grade, I didn't really want to pick the saxophone because I wanted to be different. <laughs> so I, um, I picked the clarinet originally, and when I went home to tell my dad, uh, he was like, oh, what instrument are you going to play? And I said, clarinet. And I could just see his face fell. He was like, he was so upset at, upset about it. And I was like, okay, but I quickly saved it by saying, you have to start off on clarinet and then you can switch to saxophone later, which I originally had no intention of doing, but I ended up switching to saxophone and it was pretty good because I wasn't that great at clarinet, but then I got good at saxophone. So it nice was recovery. <laughs> yes. There <laughs> <laughs> it worked out for sure. Sorry, very smooth. <laughs> That's funny. Sean, your question? Sure. So, uh, Jess, I, I want to mention to our listeners, like I mentioned, we did get to know each other through Ithaca College. Mm. Um, I know it was only like maybe a year, but um, I want to ask you this, but you, you have spent two years there. Yes. Um, what would you say defined your time at Ithaca College? I think defined my time was really the friendships that I made there. I am pretty introverted, but I have been very lucky by finding friends that talk a lot for me, like really early into the program. So as soon as I moved there, I um, mentioned a little bit in my bio about Imani Barber. He lived right next door. And so he kind of bugged me a lot in the beginning, but we became really good friends from that. And so um, through him and um, some other friends, I met a ton of people that I keep in contact with now. And we have plans to make music together and hopefully see each other in person um, after this whole pandemic thing goes away hopefully it goes away um, so really the people and not just my peers but the saxophone professor Dr. Mock he was a big part of my growth during that time I had come from a much smaller music school I won't say university because Ithaca College is pretty small in itself my university was pretty big but we had a small music department and so with my level of playing, it was kind of like an unequal division between like top players and then people who were kind of mid-range and then people who didn't practice at all. So it was a big difference jumping into a school like Ithaca where it's kind of more like a conservatory. Um, but Dr. Mock was the perfect amount of stern and making sure that I practice and discipline um, is a perfect balance between that and then also being understanding and a good friend when I needed him. So he, I definitely appreciate having a good connection with my primary professors when I go to school. And it's funny that the last two years of his time right at the college and then Stephen Banks came on the scene and just yeah you know, yeah what do you think about that I think it's really cool because um I ended up going to Ithaca because my undergrad professor went to Ithaca for his undergrad and so I kind of had a little bit of a connection 
to Dr. Mock initially in that way. And so it was kind of nice being with my undergrad professor being one of his first students and me being one, one of his last students. So it kind of like brought it full circle. Um, right. But as far as Stephen Banks goes, he is really awesome. I haven't met him personally, but I really love what he's doing for chamber music and inspiring musicians who are really good and want to practice. Um, I love to be at the collegiate level, but maybe they don't want to continue on to get a doctorate. Maybe they want to find different avenues to make a living with their classical saxophone chops. So I think it's really great. Right, yeah. And he's done so much for the program ever since he's been there. And I, I've been so in awe of like how much he's built in, in such a little amount of time. So kudos to him and kudos to the program that's going to be continue growing in the future. Um, so I guess I think Hunter wants to talk about um, something that you've been debating recently and might have a long answer for. So I'll head the mic over to Hunter. Okay. Yeah, so you mentioned, you know, the sort of big elephant in the room that everyone is sort of, con you know, it's consumed their lives, the pandemic, and, you know, it is what it is. But uh, you mentioned that you were debating as to whether or not you should have deferred this year. Yeah. And uh, what's been causing you some trouble? Is it COVID? Is it like moving? Is, what is it? So all of the above. <laughs> Or have I not of had course. troubles? <laughs> what has not caused me trouble the past few months? Um, so originally, when we first got the news about coronavirus and things shutting down, that was in the middle of my first year at UF. And they shut things down. And then a couple weeks later, I found out from my roommate that she wasn't able to re-sign our lease because she got laid off. So I had to move in the middle of the semester which was very stressful and you know I still was doing zoom classes while trying to pack and not really being able to pay attention and focus on that so that was stressful in itself um, and now I, I don't think any of us could have really foreseen or foresaw that it would still be going <laughs> I thought at least at the beginning I had some hope that we would go back to normal for this next school year and so my first my doctoral my first doctoral recital was canceled because of that and I was planning on making it up this semester and then doing another one second semester but with the way things are going especially since UF currently hasn't started classes we don't yet know if their precautions are going to work because all of my academic courses are online but they are still trying to meet with ensembles at least um, converting them all to chamber ensembles in person. And they're still trying to have recitals just with proper distancing measures. So the tentative hope is that I will be able to make up my recital this semester. But as we have seen, major schools have already, you know, they've tried for a week having in-person classes and then they have decided that it's not going to work out. So and we'll see. So, you know, that makes me wonder, you know, I am getting this performance degree and now it's seeming like all of my performance opportunities are, you know, on the hinge. They may not be here. So 
it's kind of makes me wonder like, what am I really doing? <laughs> like, am I having an existential crisis because of this pandemic? What is happening? What is my life? What is getting my doctorate right now? <laughs> it, that's really the, that's really the best way of saying, it. I feel like you're right. It has caused an existential crisis in a lot of the music community. Um, you know, we sort of just got, I guess, wait it out and yes. Waiting it out and see what happens. And obviously that's easier said than done, but yeah. Uh, but speaking, well, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Oh, no, I was just gonna say, speaking of performance, you know, you're uh, th the next question that Sean's going to ask you has to do with um, one of the groups that you perform with. Sean. Okay. Sure. So something you mentioned in your bio was your work with Dub Sax and you did a lot of touring with them. So I want to ask, what was it like to tour with your group? That was so much fun. I, that was definitely the highlight of my undergrad. It was the first time I had ever experienced at, my, at that school, other saxophonists or even just other musicians being excited to do something above what we were required. Um, before that, we had a quartet and we would meet maybe once or twice a week and then go in for our coaching. And that was it. We were just learning one piece to play on the saxophone studio recital. But one of a good friend of mine who is now at UF, his name is Nieves, he and I, you know, we worked together with a couple of our other friends to put together a community outreach tour and we've done it a couple of times, so it was really nice. Um, we just called up some schools and some local venues around some neighboring towns in our area, and we told them what we wanted to do. So we put, up, put together a program, but we also wanted to make it fun because we per performed at some schools for little kids, but we also um, performed at, at other places where people may not be as familiar with saxophone music or classical music so we had a good mix between serious and just fun music and um, we always left time for questions to be asked it was nerve-wracking when we first started because you know we didn't know how it was going to go over but i think one of the biggest memories and this is kind of what we were going for one of the biggest memories i have from when I was younger is those assemblies that we would have in school and like people coming in just thinking they're so great. So it was nerve wracking wanting to live up to that type of experience for the students um, or the community. But it was really exciting because through that we had, we got to see people that we know knew from other parts of our life. Like um, some, there was, some people that maybe students taught at the high school that I that I went to and they're now teaching at a different school and they welcomed us and it's kind of, it was kind of nice seeing them grow from a student teacher to now a full-blown music teacher and us grow from high school students to college students who are trying to you know spread the joy of music and so it was really fun in that regard and it was um, it was interesting taking that over to Texas. Uh, that was fun in and of itself because it involved a road trip. <laughs> it was a 20 plus hour road trip. So I don't know if that's fun for everyone, <laughs> but it was fun for at the time. And we did that because our alto player moved to Texas 
and I was invited to perform at a saxophone conference that happened to be in Texas. And so we thought it would be fun to just take the whole week off and go down there and do a tour while we're there. And then end the tour with me playing at the conference. So it worked out and it was great to reconnect with our friend. It was interesting scheduling rehearsals with a stand-in for him and then going back to performing with that friend. Um, but it ended up working out well because we just had such good chemistry with, as a group and uh, everything just felt like normal when we were finally reunited. So yeah, it was, it was an exciting time and I hope to do something like that in the future as long as things go back to normal. <laughs> right, right. So what was it like for you to perform? Did you find that you were nervous or did you find it more exciting that you were able to perform in such different sort of venues? Yeah, so for me, I tend to get performance anxiety, especially when I'm doing anything solo-wise and especially in new places. Um, for this, group I think because we were all just such good friends and we worked well together I think the nerves were kind of gone or they were like minimal at least um so that was really exciting because I aspire to be able to I mean I know I'm going to be nervous but I aspire to not let my nerves affect how I'm playing of course they're going to have some sort of effect but as long as it can be minimized. So I find that playing with them, especially, or in groups in general, it, it generally helps my nerves. Okay, okay. Well, I'm so glad that you shared it with us and something funny about the conference that you went to was also named NASA. Yes. Also, also <laughs> known as this, one of the space stations. Um, uh, did, you guys, did you guys like that idea of, of them using it that way? Or was that kind of funny? Yeah, it's definitely funny. And during our road trip, we ended up passing where NASA actually, like the space NASA, NASA is. And so, of course, we made some jokes about about it as we were passing by. Um, and I, whenever I'm referring to it, I'm always I always have to preface it by saying saxophone, like NASA saxophone. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's kind of funny that they chose those. At, or chose that acronym <laughs> right right no, I, just, I just thought it was kind of interesting that they did that yeah. um hunter actually has a question now about what your quarantine music series have been like with with your friend amani who i also know but hunter take it away yeah so you mentioned this quarantine music series that you've started with your friend uh, tell us a little bit more about that yes so imani i i, met, I talked a little bit about him before Ever since we lived in Ithaca, we have always loved making music together. Um, we, he usually plays the piano or some sort of keys and I sing usually. And so when this whole quarantine started, I was like, you know, it would be fun to start a music series. So we're currently working on um, some songs that will be released soon. Um, just a wide range of music from maybe some that you'll hear today probably some that will sound familiar because they might have been released uh soon or released earlier like hamilton i love hamilton now <laughs> so i think being friends with them is really nice because i play guitar and so i ever since high school i liked to do 
the little co covers with my friends. And so my guitar skills are, they're, get, they're improving, but having a friend that can play piano really well helps. Um, so uh, it's really exciting. He also plays bass. So we're gonna have a good mix of music and with instrumentation as well, because I'll probably play guitar, ukulele, um, and sing, and he'll probably play bass and piano or key, some sort of keys. He has a lot of keys, and we've got a drummer. So it's just something that we'll probably be releasing on IGTV, maybe YouTube, and hopefully it'll be a weekly thing. Uh, we're still kind of working out through, we're working out some of the kinks and. Uh, we'll see how busy I'll be once school starts. I'm sure less busy than I usually am, so I'm hoping to have some more time to devote to it. But yeah, it's just really an exciting way to get me more singing opportunities because uh, when you are studying a classical instrument, I spend probably at least four hours a day practicing that, and all of my most of my performances are for that. So. It'll be nice to get to sing again because something I miss. And you know, a study was actually just released by BBC, um, I think either yesterday or the day before, and they said that singing does not contribute or it does not, it, it or is not more risky than speaking in terms of the virus. So, they've found that it does not contribute in any way more than speaking does. So that's put a, a lot of people at ease um, yeah. in terms of social distancing. Cause they thought like, well, you're projecting. So are you like spreading it more because it's, you know, go going farther and the, you know, and they're like, no, not really. So that's, that's a comforting thought, I guess. Um, but uh, Sean's next question is, does actually have to do with singing. So if you could uh, elaborate Sean. Sure. So I want to get to right to the bottom of it because um, Jessica, you have an, an incredible voice. It's just something that everyone should know right now. Um, and I, I, I mean, I think when you started singing Killing Me Softly at that bar for Matt's birthday, I was like, what? Because I didn't, I didn't think, I didn't think you were going to do that. But then when you did it, I was just like, I was taken up, I was taking it back in the, in the best way. Like I was just so shocked and so amazed. And I, I, I wanted to ask quickly, um, have you done any karaoke ever since? I mean, like <laughs> maybe before you, like, maybe like, maybe not before, not during coronavirus, obviously, but like maybe before coronavirus? Yeah, so <laughs> that was a really fun night. <laughs> Good memories. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And Killing Me Softly is a go-to song for karaoke. Uh, right. Actually, so when I was in college, um, I start, I was one of the founding members of an acapella group there. And so that's really where I started getting more comfortable with performing while singing. Because singing, performing is so much different for me than playing my saxophone and performing. Um, because, I don't know, I just feel maybe a little <laughs> bit more vulnerable when I sing. So it's just... It's just scary. So, um, but the acapella group did teach me a lot about that. And I also had the pleasure of performing on stage with, with, in a couple of musicals. Uh, one of them during my 
during my undergrad. One of them was an original musical that was, um, it was called Love Songs, and it was made up of a whole bunch of R&B, old school R&B love songs that were arranged to tell a story. And my character sang Killing Me Softly, uh, <laughs> as well as um, I've Got Love on My Mind. Um, so I, I had... I have had plenty of experience singing that song <laughs> in public. Um, I was also in high school, mu- or not high school musical. Whoa. I was also in West Side Story. What? That was a minute. Okay, no. <laughs> West Side Story. That's very different. I mean, I guess they are in high school, maybe. <laughs> I was in West Side Story. I played Rosalia. So I sang, um, what, what is that song called? The one that's like, I don't know that song. Oh, America. I sang America in that one, so um, the, that's really the, since then I haven't had much opportunities, because Wilmington was a great, I had a lot of connections there, I hadn't had much opportunities to sing uh, once I got to Ithaca, and now that I'm here, I have performed at a couple of places, but hopefully, hopefully that, that can uh, change, hopefully I can make it a regular thing. Um, right. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't really, I never took lessons. It's, it was always something that I w- was hoping to do, but I listened to, when I was in middle school, I listened to a lot of Christina Aguilera. <laughs> and I think just doing that listening helped me to, you know, have a stronger voice, learn how to do some runs and figure out my own sound based off of the artists that I really liked. Right, right. So I guess I really want to get to the more center of the question as a really annoying cicada is trying to get my (laughs) attention. Um, Something I know um, about you is just, or let me, I don't know about you, is were you ever taught, did you ever teach, did you teach yourself or did you ever take lessons for choice? Yeah, so when I was in, I taught myself. When I was in kindergarten, I remember they would sign us up to sing the national anthem and i remember having this like epiphany it was my turn to sing and i after hearing all the other kids sing i was like oh maybe singing is weird and then i started singing and i was like oh i don't have to sing the wrong notes i can sing the right notes so i just clicked that there were right notes to sing and that i could sing them so i i didn't start like singing, singing again until I got to middle school. That's when I went through my Christina Aguilera phase. And then after that, I made really good friends with a girl named Siobhan. And in high school, she was the one that I did the covers with. And, you know, we played guitar and like cover some pop songs. And so that was my my training, I guess. up until I became the music director of the acapella group. That was the extent of my singing career <laughs> to date, just realizing that I could sing the right notes. <laughs> and then just like, then, you know, trying to figure out how I like to sing. And I, I really do encourage people to try to find Jessica Small singing somewhere because it is just that moving. Especially, I, I've heard you sung, sing that, that song twice, which is incredible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the classics. I love it. Um, I'm going to throw it over to Hunter because he has a shameless plug to go into and to the break. So, Hunter, take it away. 
Oh, so if I unmute myself. Um, all right. So yes, the shameless plug. Uh, we are as a podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. On Instagram, we are music speaks underscore podcast. And on Twitter, we are at music speaks underscore pod and then on facebook we are on music speaks podcast and if any of you happen to be on those things i encourage you to go check us out we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we are going to get going on jessica's playlist and talk about the music that she feels connected to so stay with us and we'll be right back All right, we're back with my friend Jessica. And Jessica, the first song in your playlist is Satisfied from Hamilton. This mm-hmm. is a great song from Hamilton, one of my favorites. Um, did you get to watch the version on Disney Plus? Oh, yeah. See, it's interesting because I had some friends, a couple of friends, that actually told me about the soundtrack way before the Disney Plus release. And I, I think I tried to listen, but I, it worked much better once I saw the full production because I never got I never got into it. And then and now that I am into it, I wish that I had listened to them so that I could have enjoyed the music for much longer. But it is what it is. <laughs> right. And speaking of vocal talents, Renee Goldberg, I think her name is, she is such an amazing singer slash performer. And yeah. there's just so much happen in this scene what do you what do you take away from what's happening it this song definitely touched me because also from like a sister perspective because you know she thought she was doing what she uh what she could do to make her sister happy and you know she in her own mind she was also doing her duty for her family um Mm. as far as her needing to find someone who was you know of a certain caliber or at a, of a certain social status. And so it was It was really cool that the way that it represented kind of her inner turmoil regarding the situation. Right, right. And something really cool about the song is that it encompasses at least two or three other songs within mm-hmm. the song, which is amazing. And so like, so genius of, of Lynn to do something like this. And a takeaway from sort of understanding what that is and if you can i can also ask um can you also maybe also explain this concept to maybe be a, a non-listener of, of this music what would you say to them yeah so i think throughout the musical lynn does that technique where he'll introduce a character with a song or with like a little kind of like a light motif um and so he'll have them sing their song or sing their little whatever motif is to introduce themselves in other songs um, outside of the one that was first introduced. And so in this one, I think it's really interesting, especially how when uh, she's talking about doing this for her sister and for like when she comes in, um, her sister will sing her little uh, part that says helpless. And that's the song that her sister sang right before. And so it's just kind of um, propelling the story forward and like seeing what the characters re- are hap- seeing happening, like just kind of through a musical lens. So I think it's really cool how he does that. So powerful too. There's just so much happening. And something that's also kind of interesting is the way it starts too. Like mm-hmm. it has to just rewind 
could just tell oh, yeah. a different story, you know? Do you want to mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think when I when I first saw that, I, my well, when I first saw the whole thing, my mind was blown. <laughs> um, but this song in particular, I thought it was really, really cool how they portrayed what was going on inside of her head. Um, right. And with the rewind and like their movements and how it seemed like it was actually rewinding um, with a t- um, the stage as well with the spinning of the I don't know a technical term for this the stage spinning <laughs> in the center that definitely added a lot to it um, so right. yeah I don't know it was crazy right no and I think we, we talked about this with another guest that um, another really central theme in the musical is who tells your story or yes. who defines the aspect of, of your life. And I think um, we listened to, I can't remember her full name. I know she's a Skylar sister. Um, uh, the, the character that sings the song. What's the name of the character that sings the song again? Uh, satisfied Angelica. Angelica. That is correct. Thank you. Um, what do you think about her character do you, I, I know and, and there's a line that's in there that's like you can never be satisfied because again like you said she just has to sort of deal with being a sister you know mm-hmm. so yeah. I think it's I think she is I don't know I, I feel like it's I have mixed feelings <laughs> uh, <laughs> if it's not clear by me not quite knowing where to start um, sure. because her saying, well, he is the one who introduced to the idea of him never being satisfied and her never mm. being satisfied. So I guess she was kind of going off of that and agreeing. Um, right. but I also think that, yes, she was trying to do that for her sister, but isn't it kind of weird that she's saying, here you go, Eliza, at least you'll be happy being his wife, but he will never be satisfied. Isn't that kind of weird? Don't mm. you think? Yeah. So like, what does that, what does that say? Like you're giving them a toast and wishing them happiness, but on the inside, you're really thinking that her husband will never be satisfied and that at night you're going to long for him. That's kind of weird. And so (laughs) I I think I just tend to, when I'm singing it, I, um, well, when I'm singing, I'm not really thinking about the words. I'm just like screaming at the top of my lungs because it's so good. Um, yeah. but it's, it's nicer to focus on, you know, she's trying to do something nice for her sister rather than really thinking about, oh, it's kind of weird because she's saying he'll never be satisfied. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's interesting. And, and then the play back forth within Helpless is just breathtaking. Yes. Um, so it's so cool, this piece. Um, again, like I mentioned before, we could spend hours and hours dissecting different songs and mm-hmm. this a song especially because there's just so much context. But I do want to give the next one to Hunter and Hunter is going to talk about your next song, which is Breathing Underwater. Yes. Yeah, so Breathing Underwater. I want to say, I don't know if it was this exact song, but another guest chose hiatus coyote as the are one of their artists and i had not previously heard of hiatus coyote and uh as i usually make the joke that that's saying absolutely nothing because i am not the world's authority on anything that came out past 1970 um but you know where uh it it has a bit of a 
a soul and R&B groove to it. You know, it's very yes. neo 70s sounding. Um, not something I would have sought out on my own, but I'm glad that I got the chance to hear it because it's very cool. Um, and, and where did you first encounter it? So I really love this whole album. I wasn't introduced mm -hmm. to Hiatus Coyote until I was at Ithaca. I'm not sure who mentioned who mentioned them, but I listened to this album and I was just blown away because it was different than anything I'd ever listened to before. Mm -hmm. And this song in particular, this is one that I'm learning on guitar. Um, if you paid attention, it's not... <laughs> it's not beginner level and I feel like I'm kind of beginner level but I'm working on it I'm actually a lot <laughs> I'm actually kind of sounding a little bit impressive on it but you know I still need to learn a lot um but um so yeah I heard them from a friend and just was so taken by their sound and especially a few of their songs that I just couldn't stop listening to them and for this song in particular, I think it is the guitar at the beginning and then the synth as you're going on, like the really interesting um, melody that they're playing. That just, I don't know, it just, it just gets me every time. It just draws me in. I love it. Mm -hmm. It's a very, it's a very cool song and uh, has a very cool groove to it. Yeah, and um, Napalm. Uh, what do you think the title is trying to say? Breathing Underwater. Oh, go ahead. Oh, okay. What are you saying? Oh, I was going to say, I was just going to say Napalm's voice is, uh, it's amazing. And just the stuff that she thinks to do. I don't know. It, that just also, I, I was taken by that too. Um, mm -hmm. As far as the title, I don't know. I see, that's another thing about her voice is that she's hard to understand. <laughs> and I know a lot of people will say that about, you know, what you hear on the radio. People know there's no diction, <laughs> but there really is no diction when Napalm sings. <laughs> um, and at times I don't care because it just sounds so cool. The whole, like everything in the music is just uh, very interesting. And so Breathing Underwater, I think it's, the song is talking a little bit about love. I, I can't say that I know entirely what it's about. <laughs> Maybe that's bad because I enjoy the song so much, but um, yeah, I'm not sure really. Yeah, that's okay. I just, I didn't know if the, the title had any particular meaning to you, but either way, even on its own diction or no, it is a very cool sound. <laughs> yeah. um, a next one, which confused me that I'm sure Sean made more sense of was your next song, which is Future Friends. Sean? So I want to start out by saying I think this song has a great message, which I think sort of conveys the sense of being together and mm -hmm. finding that, that perfect person, which is which is hard. And I think it's sort of a rare oddity in, in love songs is that you are, and I think we mentioned this with, uh, with our guests yesterday, Hunter, with the song Potential, where um, the artist was just feeling like something could happen down the road or you're, you're looking for something. Just, which is sort of powerful in that same way. And um, 
again, Jess, I've been doing a lot of slam poetry recently, and the, my slam poetry has been my lyric reading. So if you feel so inclined to add some rhythm or some snaps at the end of my lyric reading, you are more than welcome to. Hunter, you as well. All right. So this is what this is what he wrote down. He or says, you can throw virtual fruit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, can't think about it too much. Is it is just this moment enough? You've got your version of love. This I know. I know you put in the time. See it when someone like me hard to find this. I know. What are your thoughts on that, Jessica? I think it is so true. Um, for me, mm. I sometimes have difficulty making friends, which is kind of amazing that I made friends so quickly in Ithaca. Um, <laughs> But I think these are just thoughts that you have when you are meeting someone and you think you might have like a cool friend connection, but you don't know them super well. Um, but you know, you really, it's like, it's like the title of the song. Like you, you think that you could be future friends. Like right. maybe you are like ha hanging out and then it just is going much better than you think it would. Or um, kind of like my moment when I made uh, friends with Imani. It also happened when I was at UNCW. I made a friend really quick on the first day and I left that like left that friend and not knowing if I was ever going to see her again and I was hoping that I would and hoping that it would blossom into something and it did bl blossom into a wonderful friendship. So I think it's just the hope that you could have that connection growing, growing with somebody. And I do want to mention, I forgot to give the name of the song, and the song is called Future Friends uh, by Superfruit and Brian Robert Jones, which is where Hunter would like to throw the fruit at me after reading that lyrics. Um, but I, I, I wanted to mention that I love the message of people coming together, which mm -hmm. is a very powerful message. And when you listen to it for the first time, what did you pay attention more to, the lyrics or the music? So in this one, in this particular song, they have a different version that's on their album. This is the remix. So right. the, I heard the original version first. And, and that one, I think I listened to the words. And in this one, since I'd already heard it before, I listened to the music. And when mm. the choir joined, I feel like it, I really like this downplayed stripped version with the choir. I think it just makes it really powerful and just kind of paints this vision of unity to me. Mm. Yeah, that's right. just kind of what I think about. Right, I think that's a beautiful sentiment. And again, I love how it had such a unique sound. And like you mentioned, the chorus really builds like, uh, oh, yeah. and anytime when you had a chorus in a song, I think it just adds to that sort of unity. What did you, mm -hmm. what did you take away from all that? Yeah, um, I think it just, it just brought warmth as well, just um, just the numbers and the timbre just brought some warmth to the sound and it made this sound, not that the song wasn't warm before, but it just brought, and I, I can kind of equate the warmth to the warmth of a friendship, I guess, maybe I'm being too deep, but that's, <laughs> that's just kind of how it felt like to me as I'm listening right. to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, Again, what a beautiful song, what a beautiful message to convey, especially in, in this day and, and, and moving forward. And like I said yesterday, 
Would it be better if anyone just stopped and just listened once in a while? Yeah. I think I think that's that would make it a, a better, beautiful world. I think. Um, so what I a think. Novel concept. We said <laughs> yesterday, Hunter, um, and Hunter. I'm actually going to throw the next one to you because actually of Jess's middle school favorites. So I will pass it over to you. All right. So my cousin, my cousin who lives in the Bronx, Val, she would be very excited that you picked this song because um, Christina Aguilera is like her icon, and she's <laughs> like, I want she says something to the effect of like she wants to come back as Christina Aguilera. Um, <laughs> so the, the song, despite the very heavy beat, has a pretty soft sound to it, and it's actually very pleasant. Um, are you a fan of hers in general, which you sort of, you sort of talked about already, but are you a fan of hers in general or just the song? I'm definitely a fan of hers in general, but this song is one of my favorites because I feel like it's a bit different than her other songs. And I, like you said, it's, it's, um, it's kind of got a soft sound to it and just, I don't know, the music is really what drew me in and I felt like and this one, yes, her songs always build and that she grows and um, her voice does amazing things towards the end. But I like how kind of downplayed it is for the majority of the time. Um, yeah, it's just one of my favorites of hers. I can't really explain why. She's just amazing. <laughs> you mentioned she was a middle school favorite of yours? Yes, for sure. My sister, my older sister, when she got her first car, I was in middle school and she only had like this album and maybe one other. So I am a fan slightly through my sister, but I kept listening after that. Um, so yeah, I've heard this album so many times. <laughs> so it was forced, you were forced into liking it. Yes. <laughs> yes, I was forced, but I was glad. It was fine. <laughs> hey, sometimes that's the best way to be introduced to something and it's the longest lasting, so... Yes, true. <laughs> Shout out to people who force things down our throats. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, with, with that then, we have one more song before the break and I'll pass that over to Sean. All right, so this next song is called Morning Star by Prager. Um, just this one took me by surprise, actually. Oh, yeah. I, was, I, I was just so amazed about the ambient sounds but also just following a groove. I mean, and you barely hear that nowadays, especially within, like, uh, I think this was sort of like, when I think of Prager, Prager sort of reminded me of like a, maybe like a, maybe like an, a newer version of like a, like a jazz trio, maybe a jazz quartet, quintet sort of sound. Mm -hmm. And it just had this really like, really cool groove to it. And I really wanted to engage you on this. What was your first reaction to listening to this? So I was suggested to listen to Prager and I, this song, I don't know why. I just really love this one. Maybe that's the saxophone that comes in later. I don't, I don't know what it is about this one, but the groove definitely draws you in when you first mm. start listening to it. And um, I just love the simple things that they do because um, the little um, melody that they start playing later on with the saxophone, um, 
it's I don't know it's it's pretty simple but then when they displace it by like a beat or half a beat it just adds so much more interest to it so I just like how it builds and I feel like just like you were saying the ambient sounds it I don't know it just it just makes me want to just listen and I don't know I don't know it's just so good to me right I I have a vision of who might have shown you this I think <laughs> And I think I know, I think you also know who it is, um, but I'm, a, I'm just asking, who, who introduced you to the song? Imani. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was Not right. Not surprised. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just know he loves funk and I know that he loves that sound. So I was just yeah. curious if, if that was the case. Yeah. Yeah, for um, sure. And also such an interesting name for a band too. Yeah, yeah, he always finds bands with interesting names. <laughs> and so I'm just like, okay, do I really want to listen to this? And then the answer is usually yes, because it's generally good music. So, <laughs> right, right. Now, initially, when I heard it, I, I thought it was named Frogger. So I was like, that's interesting. And then it's like, nope, nope, <laughs> no, no, it's called Crogger. Or, and I was like, uh, okay. No, Prager. No, it's called Prager. Wow, I'm Prager, just yeah. terrible at Prager. Name, name dropping. Wow. Um, also want to mention about this song, which is really cool, is the modal progressions that are happening through this song. And I, I just found it like really interesting because there's not a lot of chordal action, but when it happens, it's just so evident. It's just mm -hmm. so cool. And the improv section within this piece is so vast and so big and so open and the guitar player just shreds this huge solo, which is just incredible. I, I thought that was just so amazing. Um, yeah. So within all that, what did you think about the tune? Does it make you, does it inspire you to improvise or sing on it or, or anything like that? Yeah, I think it could probably make me want to improvise. I think jazz is definitely my Achilles heel. I used to be more into playing it when I was in high school and when I first started college and then I fell off, never really got into studying it a bit more, but you know, who knows how long we'll be quarantined. Maybe I'll become <laughs> a jazz saxophone master. <laughs> um, not likely, but, <laughs> but this song definitely does, you know, the solo section is amazing. A lot of right. their songs, the solos yeah. are amazing. And so mm. it just makes me at least wish that I could play them. <laughs> Right. No, I, I would love that for you to just be like a superstar in voice and jazz saxophone. I'd be like, I knew her. I knew her. <laughs> um, be able to do that. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think that's my takeaway. Um, Jessica, we're going to take a break. Okay. Don't go away. And I do want to mention to our listeners, if you're listening and you're like, where are the songs? I want to listen to these songs. You can. They're on a, a playlist attached to her podcast. So go, please go check that out because it's on Spotify. So we're going to take a break. Jessica, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And we're back. And we're back with the second half of Jessica's playlist and the opening song of part two here is uh, called New Birth by the group Funky Knuckles. So 
obviously a very unique name. I did not know what to expect from that when I went to go click on the song. I was a little terrified. And then uh, I found it's a, you know, it's very cool modern jazz. Um, seems to be, I mean, the first thing that struck me, it seemed to be influenced greatly by the likes of like Spyro Gyra and the Rippingtons from the 70s and 80s. You know, their version of like almost smooth jazz groups. Um, are you a big jazz fan in general? Yeah, so um, yeah, like I said, I have those roots. I mean, I was I was pretty big into jazz. I was on my way to becoming a jazz head <laughs> and, and when I was in high school. Were you? I, yes, I I you know auditioned for some of the North Carolina um, all state jazz stuff, and you know I did all of the I did all of those things, and um, I actually my undergrad I went there because he heard me playing uh, oh. Georgia on my mind. Um, oh, at the, cool. the little thing that I had that his school was hosting I played that and so he recruited me that way and then I turned out to be this classical person um, but yeah, so yes I do really love jazz <laughs> and I think this song falls really great like in the middle of everything that I love <laughs> it is it's a very cool mix of many different styles and I encourage uh, all the listeners to go listen to Fungi Knuckles and uh, my other question is that, do you think you were drawn to jazz because it hurt, you, you heard the saxophone more heavily present in jazz? Or do you, were you drawn to saxophone because you knew jazz? So mm. like, I, I was just curious the process. Was it just subliminal? Well, maybe. So I think I was drawn to it. I was drawn to jazz because of the presence of saxophone. And uh, I think that's kind of where I continue today. Most of the groups that I listen to that have a jazz influence, you know, they typically have saxophone in them. <laughs> but I, that at least introduced it to the idea to me. Um, and now I'll listen to anything really, but I've always loved at least a good horn line. <laughs> Who doesn't love a good horn line? Yeah. Um, yeah, and sometimes, you know, it's just they, they can start playing you like, that is just really great. Um, but even the sax too, sometimes the sax just goes, gets through with either a solo or if there's a sax section and you're like, that was awesome. I mean, yeah, it's not jazz, but you listen to some of like uh, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, um, you know, Jersey Boys style. And their era was like, they had a horn section, even though they were like a pop, somewhat doo-wop, you know, that 60s style. Um, and sometimes they come in and you're like, that's where it is. It's, that's yeah. where it, it's, quite quite sweet um but it's a it's a very cool song new birth i wonder where that title came from yeah i have no idea but I, it definitely intrigued me when i first saw it <laughs> yeah i mean the name of the band funky knuckles doesn't amid, doesn't immediately scream jazz although it's totally the type of title that a jazz player would come up with in retrospect yes. it's like what else would they title their group other, other, like, unless they name it like four armchairs or something, you know, you know some weird random name for, for a group. Um, all right. And with that, we stay on this group, as I recall. And uh, Sean will talk about the next song. That is correct. And the next song is Mystery Song by the same band, Funky Knuckles. 
Jess, the cool thing in the beginning of this piece is that there's this polyrhythm yes. and sort of you listen to it and you think that the second the second thing that comes in sort of plays on the offbeat, but then it, it just comes off maybe like another second off of that. And you're like, Ugh. yeah. And I think it's so cool. How, so I need to ask this Hunter Hunter did a great job of sort of like describing what he, he thought about it. Um, how, how would you say you would describe the band? Like, what would you, cause I, I had this sort of like snarky puppy vibe, but little less, little mellow ish, I would think. Yeah. So I less snarky. <laughs> less snarky yes just the puppies uh, <laughs> just the puppies these are both great um i have gotten to see them live and so and i've and i've met them from that so i know as people they're all very nice very chill um and very fun and silly so i think that polyrhythm kind of just plays into their personalities because uh, you know it just throws you off you think you know what it what it is but then you keep going and it, and you just realize that you don't know what the heck they're doing. Um, right. And uh, this song, I feel like in its entirety is a good representation of them as well because it changes right. so much and mm. it just has all of the sections just kind of highlight, I feel like a d almost a different personality aspect. So I think for them, I would just, describe I, it's hard to describe them as one thing because they're so eclectic right. um so maybe i would just decide or describe them as eclectic maybe a bit eccentric and definitely funky i mean you have to throw yeah. that in there they're the funky, funky knuckles yeah. Fun <laughs> yeah so speaking of puppies how's your dog doing he's great he's right here <laughs> he's just chilling he um he likes our, I, I live in a house now, so I have a backyard for him and he loves mm. that. And there's a dog that lives next door and towards the dog and that dog likes it too. So he's really happy. <laughs> Is he enjoying <laughs> all the funky knuckle stuff? Yeah, just like he you? just, yeah, for sure. He definitely loves music. <laughs> I, th I think my cat does too. Well, my cat at least likes when I sing to him and pet him. <laughs> <laughs> also um again getting back to the whole center of modal jazz um the tune does again play with that sort of center theme uh do you do you like the idea of modal jazz yeah i mean i, I since i stepped away from jazz i feel like i am just more appreciative of maybe less thinking about the not, not the theory, but kind of less thinking about that and more thinking of an overall picture. Like, do I like how this sounds? And everything that they do, I like how it sounds. So I guess in that regard, I'm sort of less picky about stuff, I guess. I don't know. Sure, sure. And I want to mention a quick story to our listeners that um, there's, a great, there's a great time we got to hang out together where we... Um, we went to go see uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, yeah. And I remember it was like you, Alyssa, um, Katie, my girlfriend. Um, and uh, I, think, I think that was it. And, and then it was me. The only, <laughs> it was like all these girls and then just me. <laughs> and so it was so funny that, that we all because went. Sensitive, and then Sean. 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. It was just kind of funny. I remember that. I wanted to sort of tell listeners about that. Um, I really, I, and I thought that was such a funny memory because hopefully that sort of finds a segue into the next song because we were going to talk about Waterfall. Oh, yeah. Aren't you? And I'm muted and I started talking without realizing it. Um, wouldn't be the first time. In fact, it's more like the 10th time. And you'd think I'd learn by now, but you know, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result every time. Um, okay. Anyway, um, your next track I was very pleased with um, when I heard it and it's uh, Waterfall by, I hope I get the name right, uh, Shante Khan. Yes. Yes. Um, and I read it with it's track number four on her debut album from 2016. So she's, you know, relatively recent. Um, although odd to think that was 14, that was four years ago, not 14, yes. but still that's weird. Back in the historic pre COVID era. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it has a definite jazz influence, but it has a sort of modern sound. Um, where did you first hear her? Because she's, you know, not a not a household name. Yes. Um, surprise, surprise. My friend Imani suggested I listen to her. Um, Shout she... out to Imani for all, <laughs> all good taste. Um, I know, right? Um, well, she was featured on uh, Snarky Puppy. Starkey Puppy Family Dinner volume, I don't know which volume, but she was featured on one of their albums and then I wanted to li listen to more of her because her voice is just so buttery and relaxing. And this song is also buttery and relaxing to me. Um, I just, I, I don't know how she sings that way. I just like want her to sing me to sleep every night. And uh, so I just really like how mellow it is. I like how, and I just, I don't know. It's just perfect to me. I, I feel like I'm saying that to, for all of these songs, but that's really just how I feel. <laughs> They're just all perfect We wouldn't have chosen me. them otherwise if they didn't speak to you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And it was funny, even in my notes, I had that her, like you mentioned, her voice is really distinctive and, and pleasant. And I had that in my note. I said, voice really distinctive. Um, for those who don't know modern jazz, this is a really good example of it. Um, I'm really glad I got the chance to hear it. I might check out more of her because she's very cool. Um, mm -hmm. When you sing, when you do, do when you do singing, um, do you find yourself emulating anyone in particular? Is it someone like her, or is it? Do you have a particular artist that you try to? Or, or even if it's subconscious, you're like uh, something you do that maybe you notice they do. Yeah, so I feel, uh, I'm not sure. I think more so when I was younger, yes. Mm -hmm. When I had less of an idea about who I am, I did try to emulate more people. I think for her, her voice is just so unique. I wish I could sing like her. <laughs> um, and I think maybe sometimes I'll take a musical idea uh, that she does. I think that's probably the most that I do as far as being influenced by people, just taking some musical ideas rather than trying to make my voice sound a bit more like theirs. Um, uh -huh. I can't think of anyone in particular that I tried to sound like now. So that actually pleases me. 
that <laughs> then I'm not being like overly influenced. That's cool. I am original. <laughs> I at least I think so. Someone else might not think so. <laughs> no, I'm sure you are. And speaking of original, we have another another song for number nine, which Sean is going to talk about. Sean, I mean not Sean. That is not his name. Right. No, my name is Sean Hunter. Come on. Um, so the next song is called uh, Dear Future Me, uh, written by James Fortune. Uh, and the song was released on 2017. And it re- I think it be- I believe it released as a single. And it, it, it was just such a powerful, profound song. Um, so Jess, I want to mention again, I am going to read some of the lyrics. So again, feel free to snap clap along or hunter throw fruit at me again um so i'm gonna just read through a little bit of their lyrics his lyrics because they're just so beautiful i just want to read through a little bit so he writes dear future me will i will i will i ever smile again dear future me will i will i will i die within questions will i be all right because i'm trying to maintain i can't sleep at night trying to not go insane while I ever move from this place. I can't give up. I don't want to lose them. I'm trying to conquer this thing I call life. Sometimes I wonder, is it worth the fight? The struggle is real. Again, so amazing and just so unique and just so different. And I I honestly ate it all up because of just, just how amazing his words were and just how profound they were. What was your reaction to just hearing all that? So the first time that I heard this song was on a top gospel playlist. And um, and I feel like you can listen to it and not realize that it's a gospel song. Um, sure. But it is really encouraging. And it's just, I, I started listening to it at a point in my life uh, during COVID <laughs> where I didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> When all <laughs> life decisions are made. Yes, basically. Absolutely. You know, my, I, I was wondering about my future, too. Like, I, um, I was going through a lot of hardships, obviously, COVID-related, but, you know, financially, also what's going to happen um, musically in my future, I don't know. But this song, the message is really just, like, to keep, to keep going, like, uh, because you're you know talking to your future self and you're wondering like will you be all right no and i think the answer is going to be yes (laughs) i think that ultimately the song just turned into a piece of a a word of encouragement during this time right right absolutely and i can agree more because there again like we mentioned there's just so much going on um i need to ask when i listened to this i sort of had a, a like I say, hopefully you say this right. I had a sort of uh, the artist common. I sort of came to mind when I was listening to something mm. like this. Um, what did you sort of like about the combination of singing and spoken word within the song? I loved it. I thought it was very appropriate. And I thought that it was very powerful, uh, right. especially when the, oh, sorry, my dog is, I'm about to un- he's about to unplug something <laughs> stop it um yeah so i just thought it was very powerful that sort of the dichotomy between the two right and yeah. and i don't know i i thought it was 
kind of I, I I just really liked the way that he implemented it in you. I thought it was I thought it got his point across very very well. Right. I I totally thought he succeeded in that way and um because he is obviously I feel like he's just writing himself a letter to the future. Mm-hmm. Um what do you think he's trying to tell himself? That everything's gonna be okay or there's gonna be trouble in the future, but I'm 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 a strong person. I can deal with these issues. Yeah, I think it, it's probably some sort of combination of that because if I think for the most part, if you look back on your past self, I'm sure there are times that everyone has experienced where they couldn't see things getting better, and um, maybe you were going through a hard time and you just you just didn't know what was going to happen and. I feel like writing that letter at the time where you are experiencing those things, then when you are that future person and you look back at that, you can kind of see where you came from and that, yes, things were really bad at this time. I will acknowledge this. I will recognize this, but look at where I am now. I know that this was just for, it was just for a time in my life. It was just temporary. And now here I am. And I was strong enough to get through this. I believe I'm strong enough to get through whatever I'm going through currently. just so beautiful and something amazing that he does at the end of the song is he uses the song he uses i can see clearly now that the rain is gone sometimes and then he sort of and then sneaks in the word pain where the word rain is but then Mm -hmm. he brings it back to the word rain which is just so cool yes (laughs) this concept is awesome what do you want to talk about that that caught me off guard the first time I heard it. I was like, what? <laughs> because um, <laughs> I never listened to um, that song on my own. Oh, yeah. I heard it on little infomercials on like PBS when I was at, you know, at night um, when I was sure. a kid. Um, but I, and I, so I recognized the line immediately. But I think also the singers, just as they're singing it, you can literally hear the pain in their voice. And then it sounds like you can hear the relief whenever they say that it's gone. So I, maybe I was being too in tune with my feelings, but I felt that I could hear that coming through as they were singing. So, and as we said before, the dichotomy between them singing and then doing the spoken word, I felt like it was really powerful. Yeah. Again, thank you for the song. It was just, it, it just, it made my day when I listened to it. It just, exploded my mind i was like this is yeah. just such a cool concept and i'm so glad that you brought it up today mm-hmm. um speaking of artists i want to in situations i want to bring it over to hunter hunter take it away hunter you're muted gosh darn it um okay here we are uh so your next song is called Situations by Jonathan McReynolds. And I feel like I'm looped because I said this, but I was muted. Um, <laughs> I must say his, his tenor, almost alto voice really surprised me. Like I, I looked at the picture of him and I was like, really? <laughs> like that's the voice that's coming out of your mouth? Um, <laughs> it was just surprising. Uh, when I looked him up, he's listed as the forerunner of a new gospel genre. Maybe it's just the song, but to me, it doesn't seem very gospel. What would you classify him as? Would you agree? Yeah. So I think that is one of the biggest challenges that he's facing is that people don't, they, cause he's more, his music is more singer songwriter feel 
but it just happens to be about Jesus, <laughs> about <laughs> his. Um, and so um, I think that's where maybe some, he, he gets a little bit of criticism is that people who are more used to traditional sounding gospel, they don't think it sounds gospel enough. And, um, but you know, what is gospel enough? You know, mm -hmm. there's, there's that whole argument, but, um, to me, I would classify him as a singer songwriter, like, like what I said, whose topic just happens to be all God related. And this song in particular is really good because again, I listened to it. He released this album during the pandemic, I believe maybe or maybe just before, and then I just found it during the pandemic. And it was me revisiting him because I used to listen to him some in undergrad and then I missed a couple of his albums. And then this song is just really cool because it's basically just saying that um, you're going through a situation. It's kind of similar to the other one, well, um, but a little bit more religious because you're going through a situation. You don't know what the outcome is. And I really like the line where it says, um, I'm not asking for an outcome or hoping for results. I'm not um, asking that it all turn, turns out exactly as I want. Um, I'm just inviting you to my situation. Um, and that's how I have felt, again, throughout this pandemic. So many things have gone wrong. So many things that I had planned for that didn't turn out the way I expected. And then I am just learning to, um, because I am a Christian, I am just learning to just invite God in. I don't know what's going to happen, but please help me. That's basically what this song is to me. And I think it's done really beautifully. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. And it is, I, I, you can see how it's a moving song like that. And you are right. He is a very difficult artist to play. So I, I'm, I'm curious where he winds up going in mm -hmm. his, in his future career. Um, anything else about it? Oh, uh, no. That's, no, that's that's all really all right well in that case i'll turn the last song over to sean all right so the last song is called in the dragon's garden and i i really hope i say his name right um ryoanyi duo um they call themselves the ryoanji duo Ryoanji duo. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. I was just so worried about not saying that wrong, and I did say it wrong. So. <laughs> no <laughs> worries. Um, so Jess, I, I love the minimalistic nature of this piece and mm -hmm. how eerie it is. What did, what did you take away from it when you were listening to it? So this is a piece that I have listened to for years now. Um, Rio and Juju is actually made up of my undergrad professor playing saxophone and his friend playing guitar. Um, he's also a professor at UNCW. And so this was always a piece that I aspired to be able to play one day. In fact, I am hoping to play it this year, um, but we'll see. Um, when I first listened to it, I, it's, a, it's composed by David Keckley. And I did actually a lecture recital on David Keckley's saxophone music while I was at Ithaca. Right. And so his style is definitely minimalistic. And then he just expands up upon it. And right. through the time that I have, I got the chance to interview him. And this piece was kind of a turning point for him and his composing style. 
Um, right. if, you'll, if you listen to some of his other songs, you'll hear them start off similarly and borrow some of the same ideas. And so I think what really I take from it, I don't know, it just, it just seems to take you on a journey. And I don't know, that might be a little bit cliche to say, but I feel like it, it literally does because it starts off with both the saxophone and guitar playing similar ideas that are displaced a bit, but like really just playing two notes, <laughs> going back and forth between two notes. And then suddenly it's three notes and then suddenly, you know, maybe it's four notes and then you're playing a little ditty. Um, so it just kind of grows. And it, I feel like it grows, it gets big and then it comes back down and it does that twice right. with, but within the 15 minutes, cause it's a long piece. <laughs> um, right. But I think it, I think it just, I don't know. I, I don't, I think it, what really, drew me to it the first time I heard it was the pairing of saxophone, classical saxophone and guitar, because it was a pairing that I hadn't really heard much of before hearing this piece. And so with, with that, I just really liked how they complemented each other. Mm. And I, I thought they blended well. I thought they just blended really well together. So what's the secret? What is in the Dragon's Garden? <laughs> the dragon's garden is actually a temple it's referring to a temple that he went to and he he was out they were in uh i don't want to be wrong uh <laughs> i'm i'm not going to say what country they're in but they were in a different country at a world saxophone conference and they're actually the duo was premiering a different piece that he had written for them and he went to this temple and um, the Ryoanji Temple, actually. And they have some uh, some gardens. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's, it's one of those things where they have like a rock garden and you can take, not a stick, but some instrument and just kind of play with the shapes in there. So he was, as he was doing this, he was getting the ideas for the piece. And um, he was like, I, I have to like get home right now so I can write this piece because I, I right. hear it. I just need to write it down. So um, I'm not sure I know what is in the Dragon's Garden, but I at least know um, where it, I kind of know where it is. I can, and where <laughs> the idea came from. <laughs> right, yeah. It, it's such a beautiful piece. And I, I was just so, I was so glad that I was able to listen to it. Mm -hmm. um, and something I want to mention right at the end here is I really love the back and forth between the saxophone and the guitar. Mm -hmm. What sort of relationship does that resemble in your eyes? Uh, the back and forth between the guitar and the saxophone? Um, or, the, or the play off of one another, maybe. Oh, okay. Um, I feel like in this piece, it could kind of resemble just, I feel, I feel like it could, I don't know. I just like the, the mo there are moments in this piece where they are kind of playing in Hockett and they'll be finishing each other's musical lines. And um, so I really like that technique. And I think it just goes to show that everything is connected. Um, eventually, uh, if you don't have all the pieces, there's somebody else or something else to finish finish it and connect it all together and create something very beautiful. 
Uh, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but. <laughs> no, no, it does. Um, so Jessica, I want to say thank you for showing us your playlist today. Um, it was beautiful. And Hunter said it best. It was eclectic. It was different. It was all sort of beautiful. So I do want to thank you for being on the show today and letting us share your music with our listeners today. And again, with our listeners, you can listen to her music. It is attached to her podcast in a playlist that Hunter will put on the podcast. So please go check that out. That is available as soon as the podcast is out. So please go check it out after we're done. Um, Jess, is there anything else you want to talk about today or anything else you want to let us know about what you're up to? Um, no, I mean, like I said, I will hopefully be doing my first doctoral recital this semester. We'll see if, it, if I don't get to do it with a live audience, then I am hoping that I can at least maybe just get into the hall by myself and record it and broadcast it. So sure. that at least maybe people can see it. Um, I mean, we'll see. Uh, that's what I've got working on. And then, of course, my quarantine series that will be coming out soon. My Instagram and Facebook will have it, possibly YouTube as well. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a pleasure Just, to have you on. And we hope you can come back and do another deep dive with us. Um, I'll let Hunter, if you want to say anything, Hunter. No, I was just I was like, I, oh, my voice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just, it was a pleasure to have you on. I'm glad I got a chance to meet you. Sean speaks very highly of you. Yes, it's been so much fun. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yeah. Well, it was nice seeing you, Jessica. Please come back again, and uh, see you later. All bye, right, Jessica. Bye. Ciao. Thank you, Jessica, and you've been listening to Music Speaks, a podcast for lovers of music everywhere. Next time, we will sit down with Chris Coulter for part two of his deep dive into the life and works of Louis Armstrong. That's it for me. I'm Sean Ramkunis. And I'm Hunter Sagona. And keep listening to what you love. <laughs>